0: Howdy. This is the Views from the Shot podcast. I am your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Saturday, April 1st, I wish you the happiest, not April Fool's Day, but the happiest of edible book days. On today's show, we've got a special guest joining us within our midst. It's Joe Gemma designer at Ohio State University, and some may call him the lead creative there for the Buckeyes. He snapped some some cold Buckeye photos. He sent out some tweets that you have most likely liked or retweeted in the past, and some may say he's not just a one-time library card holder, but a two-time library card holder. By the way, before I welcome in Joe, I'll make him wait, and that's fine. Please, if you're new here, if you're finding us because of Joe or anyone else, if you don't mind subscribing, that would be great. And if you can leave us a rating too, that would be so helpful. I won't beg. I've been known to do it in the past, but I won't do it here. Joe, welcome. First question. If lice is plural, what is the singular form of the word lice? Whoa,
1: that's coming out heavy. The singular form of lice. I think it would be like a deer, deer situation, wouldn't it? You got one lice and then multiple lice. That feels like a lazy take. Deer. To
0: me. What would your take be? Lie. I I I, I got to say I asked you, so I I I feel like <laughs> I don't have to answer that. But I would Fair probably enough. go with probably with lie, or maybe maybe a loose or a lease something mm, like that. A loose, I kind of like that. I might uh, I might sign a, on board to that. Just a loo. It could just be re- remove the the.
1: I'm into it. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and jump on board with loose. I'm gonna go. Okay. With, we have one, I have one loose, um, or multiple lice. But yeah. now that you say it, now lie almost sounds like the plural to me. It almost sounds like one should be lie and multiple lice.
0: It it's possible. I I think you you've got me thinking now. Is this a deer deer situation? But it just it doesn't feel right that you can have one, a single lice like, oh, get this lice, get this one single lice organism off of me, get multiple lice. I mean, you you would have to catch it pretty early. It'd be like having one bed bug. I
1: really don't know that a situation would occur where you have one lice. You're pretty you're pretty fortunate if you
0: can get away with just one. It starts with one. Well, one, though, that's a thing. It It—it it. it, it starts with that's one thing.
1: You don't you don't know it until you have a couple, but
0: there's always this
1: situation where there is one just rocking on his own up there. Exactly.
0: Impressive. So that culprit, lie, loo, loose, it's hard to say. We may never know. We're not <laughs> going to decide anything on this pod, Joe. We're thankful for you being here today. By the way, if if for some reason you do not follow Joe Gemma on Twitter, you probably should. Far be it for me to tell you what to do, the listener, but you should follow him. At Joe D Gemma. Very simple. Joe D Gemma. What does D stand for, Joe? That's Daniel. So I'm Joseph Daniel Gemma. That's my government. All right. Well, (laughs) we are a couple steps away from stealing your identity. I have your full name now and your title where you work. So you should be careful to give out too much information. (laughs) Mother's maiden name. Street (laughs) I grew up on. We need these things. We need these things. First pet, of course, that's always a good one childhood elementary school all of those types of yes so we'll get into all of that yeah yeah no it's good Joe again thanks for being on here of course we're going to talk about Ohio State basketball at some point today but uh, before we get there I I would love to hear a little bit more about your role what do you do at Ohio State (laughs) all day you're not the type of guy to twiddle your thumbs it seems from the content that you push out there I think you're pretty busy what are you busy with on the daily working with the Ohio State Hoops program? That's a great question
1: because it changes every single day. So in season, a lot of what I do is I kind of, there's two sides to it. There's one, there's covering the current team on social media and game day coverage. So that'd be the things like showing up to games, taking photos, working with, we have like a crew of four right now. It's myself, our video guy, Ben Majors, and we have two student interns, And it's our job collectively to kind of cover the current season on social media for both the men's and women's team. So I kind of work primarily with the men's team and help with the women's team. And my intern, Scott, kind of does the opposite there, working with the women's team more primarily. Um, So a lot of what I'll do on, on those days and in season is just cover the games, making the graphics that we put out on social media. When there's news to put out, I'm the one tweeting it from our accounts, all of that good stuff. And then the other side of what I do is recruiting-based, so I um, work with the coaching staff of both teams, and they identify recruits that they're trying to get to come to Ohio State, and I'm the guy that makes the edits that those dudes end up posting of them in an Ohio State jersey that I photoshopped, or I put together presentations that the coaching staff shows to those recruits and, and like PowerPoint presentations that they sit through with those guys. So I work a lot on that stuff too. And and now that it's the off season, a lot more my job is, is that type of thing, the recruiting side, you know, outside of that, I do, there's some other little stuff I do. I work to design all of our facilities. So when there's new signage that needs to go up, I'm making that new wall graphics, all that stuff. A lot of that gets done in the off season as well. So Every day is something different, but it's always interesting.
0: You hope to be home by by 5.15 and have a little fun along the way too as well, right? Absolutely. And at in season,
1: 5.15 rarely happens, but the summer is when you get to come home a little bit earlier.
0: And something else that I'm hearing from you from all of that is you're pretty much the only reason why. Ohio State is bringing in Devin Royal, Scotty Middleton, Austin Parks, Jason Chapman. You're you're the dude who's bringing these four in, right? It's that's just right. You, you know, a, a lot of people will give credit
1: to your guys like Jake Diebler and even Coach Holtman, and you know, we had Ryan Peden here. He was the big you know recruiter, quote unquote. But sure, you know, sure. I've always been I've I've always been overlooked in my impact. I think in that sense, and a lot of times those guys are kind of a mascot. For uh, the the work that I'm doing, the dirty work, uh, kind of behind the scenes, and they they get all the glory, and that's great. You know, I'm not a guy that's looking for credit or glory, so it never has bothered me. But it is nice to know that there are like diehards like yourself that recognize all the hard work that I put in to build these classes and make Ohio
0: State basketball what it is. You're very humble. I think that's my first impression of you. <laughs> very very humble. Of course, people people may say that you want the credit, but you've made it clear you you don't need the glory. Now, the other thing that I'll say, too, is that this is kind of a a sad realization for me is I'm now putting a name to the face of the person behind the screen when Joey275843 on Twitter with the egg as his avatar or whatever you may call it, when he comes at you and says, hey, man. Why is this player over playing over this player in the lineup? Can you please sub him out? Or this guy sucks, or this guy's good, or, you know, make a change. Do something with the coaching staff. You're you're the guy who's sitting there at 11.30 p.m. on a Wednesday night in the office. Everyone is gone. The lights have been dimmed down. And you're just sitting there munching away on your P.F. Changs and wiping the tears away saying, why is everyone so mean to me? That's right. You know, this season in particular got pretty brutal with that.
1: I had to get to a point where I was not checking Twitter all too often. Um, You post the final score and you kind of get out of there because after a while it starts to be a little harsh. Instagram especially. And you know the one that's actually slept on is Facebook. The Facebook fans are ruthless. They tell you exactly what they think. So I've never gotten to a point. There's only one time where I've had to delete social media off of my phone because of how bad it got and that was after oral roberts so we lost that game post the final score and i was like i'm not looking at my phone for the next month deleted twitter deleted instagram and did not touch them for as long as i could so it can get ruthless but the thing about me is i i tend to have a real thick skin i don't let it get to me and so it's not a big deal if people need to vent their frustrations at
0: someone let it be me that'll be my cross to bear i'm good with that old Gertrude from Upper Arlington, Ohio, just giving you the business and forcing you to go through it after Ohio State lost to Oral Roberts, huh? She does not hold back. It's brutal. So my last question in regards to all of this is, have you sat Chris Holtman down and said, Hey, I think we need to have a talk about your performance after one year. You know, it, it's, it's time that we have, her we have a talk, the fans, they're really giving it to me. Have you, have you, have you had to sit them down and, really have a, a harsh conversation about what brian from from upper sandusky has to say about you you know what's funny is sometimes i will be hanging out
1: with coach or be in his office or whatever and every once in a while he'll um he'll show me something that someone has dm'd him directly and he'll be like look at this guy and it'll be some guy that's like you know just cursing him out or whatever and he's like do you think i should say something back to him and i'm always like Coach, probably not your best bet. Like right now, should probably not be worried about that. So I think Holt hears it as much as anyone. So I don't even need to have that conversation with him.
0: Man, you are wearing many hats on top of everything else you're doing. You're advising Coach Holtman, a little PR sprinkled in there as well. It's a tough exactly. job. Exactly. And I believe you told me, you told me before we recorded, you're making what was that? $19,000 a year is your salary. That's bi yearly. So it's actually, yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's, that's, that's every two years. So I'm fortunate and I'm very blessed to do what I do. So, but I'm the lucky nice to be thing paid is, anything.
0: It's paid in a lump sum. So every two years, you're getting, I mean, 12K after taxes. It's amazing. And
1: then you just got to be able to trickle that out over the next two years. And I make it work. I, I, I have a one meal a day diet and it consists of mostly noodles. So, no worries for me, you know, and and I just mooch off of whatever the team has left over in the locker room
0: after that. So that's where we're living. Too. Now I, I have been very public in my opinion that Ohio state could have two, three players on, on an all American, all thick boy team. I mean, there are some dense players in that locker room. So there's probably not a lot of scraps left over, but it seems like you're making do you look good today. I appreciate that. <laughs> of course. Of course. So I guess we should talk about Ohio State hoops. You're around the team more than just about anyone. And I feel like I've said that to every single uh, special guest, I should say, who's been on this show so far this, it's not even summer, this spring, but your impression of how this Ohio State season went, you're behind the camera, you're behind the phone, you got all the noise from fans and you're there sitting there with the team. You're, you're looking players in the eyes and, and hanging out with them and all that stuff. I mean, how was the season for you personally, and what did you see from the team? Yeah, so this season,
1: obviously, it goes without saying, was incredibly disappointing for everyone. I don't think this is what anyone expected our season to be like. Um, Not the players, not the staff, not myself. I think we all went into it understanding that this was probably not going to be a year that we were going to be like a powerhouse in the Big Ten. We had a lot of new faces. And what I think the hope was that we would maybe struggle early and be able to find our, our way late. And I think there's some truth to how that went. It it was more of a roller coaster than that. I think by the time we got to the Big Ten tournament, you saw the pieces start to come together, but it was too late. Um, but, you know, I think there was a lot to like about last season. It was interesting being inside of it. I remember especially in uh, in our slump there was a lot of talk about Holtman's lost the locker room and these guys clearly don't care. And I can understand from an outside perspective when you had, especially upperclassmen that were struggling. I think we all expected our younger guys to have their ebbs and flows, but you were hoping guys like justice and Zed and Isaac and Sean could kind of steady the ship. And I think there was some outside perspective that maybe those guys were no longer interested in playing uh, in a lost season. Um, but that was never my feeling from inside. Uh, I never felt like there was a moment where these guys just don't care. I thought they were playing as hard as they could in practice, but that that always wouldn't come through in games. I don't know what it was. There were just some times you would be watching our games and you could just like, you know, I'm on the floor watching these games because I'm taking photos and you can see sometimes in guys' faces When like adversity would hit, you could see the like deer in the headlights of like, like, ice is not gonna be helpful right now, or we're gonna, justice is is not focused defensively right now. It'd be all these things that, you know, if it wasn't one thing, it was the other with how our games would go. Maybe you'd get Sean going, but Bruce would be turning the ball over, or ice would have a great, you know, scoring game offensively. For like a few times a season, but then no one else was getting, or Justice couldn't finish around the rim. It was always something. And I think that's what people are most disappointed about is just how that season never really got going. I am glad that we ended on somewhat of an uptick because it gives us a lot of momentum heading into next season that, you know, if we would have lost out and then lost first round in the Big Ten tournament. I think people looking forward to next season would be like, this team stinks. Why would we support this team? Why would we care about that team? At least now we have a little bit of momentum and some optimism, especially because of the way we ended the season with our young guys. I think there's a lot to be excited about with Bruce. I really think that Bruce has a chance to be an all big 10 type guard Uh, Roddy coming on late which I think was overdue I think we all wanted Roddy to have those moments earlier in the season they just came later than we expected and obviously Felix I think is a type of player that we haven't had at Ohio State in the Chris Holtman era and from my perspective he's the type of big that if I were building a team from scratch that's the archetype of how I would want my big to be so Through all the struggles of last season, you were able to see glimpses here and there if you were watching the games of what is to come. And now all we can do is hope that we can add a few pieces here this summer and that our freshmen become sophomores and then those freshmen that come in next year can contribute and that we're heading in the right direction. So last season was the most unique season of my time here, the only other one that even compares to it was 2019, the Keyshawn Woods year where it felt like we were always so close to letting it get out of hand. Um, but, yeah, I mean, last season was was a growing experience, I think, for everyone, um, and it, it definitely was humbling to, like, damn, you know, this is not guaranteed. We are not an NCAA, NCAA tournament team the moment the season starts. You have to earn it. So it, it was tough, but it was – I'm glad
0: that it ended the way it did. The ending is about as optimistic as you can be about, regardless of you're a high major, mid major, low major, to be able to go out in your conference tournament and be the second to lowest ranked team and make a run and beat a bunch of teams that not only made the tournament, but were very, very solid the whole year until the NCAA tournament came around and seven foot four. 300 pounds Zach Eadie couldn't figure out how to score over a six foot seven guy, but that's, that's besides the point. At the same time, you look at what Ohio state did and, and who they were able to beat, how they were able to play? They looked really, really, really good. And it reminds me of the mid two thousands where. Thad Mata had just begun coming into Ohio state. You're starting to see some building happening. And then they just exploded to the final four to the national title game with all the talent they had, Greg Oden, Mike Conley Jr., Daquan Cook, those years of having those guys, you feel like you're seeing at least some kind of a a foundation being built now where Holtman, he obviously has all his guys, all the guys on his roster he's recruited, and he's selected rather than coming in and inheriting players. But now it seems like, especially with the way the year ended, you've got two stellar recruiting classes coming in, You've got a phenomenal foundation with the freshman class. Every single player in that freshman class has something to contribute next year. And most of them have a lot to contribute next year. And then you've got a freshman class of four coming in all who you can see putting in some, some quality minutes. So this season was tough, obviously not what anyone expected. I think that the expectation and the curse of being an Ohio state sports fan is you are used to excellence, a plus, year over year, whether it's basketball, or football, or wrestling, or I think Ohio State has a nice rowing and, and, and ice hockey and, and fencing program and all this stuff, right? Like they're Ohio State is stacked across the board. You're just used to it. You're used to winning. So when you see an Ohio State basketball team that is one of eight to make 10 final fours or more in the entire nation in college basketball history, You wouldn't expect that because of how good the football team is. If it wasn't for football, this would be a basketball school. So to miss the miss, not the playoffs, miss the tournament, have no shot at the tournament, miss the NIT. Even it is so foreign for Ohio state Buckeye fans. And I think you got to reset kind of level set and see, Hey, we're double digits when it comes to newcomers to the team from freshmen and transfers coming in, it was going to be a tough year regardless. So, To do what they did to close the year at least, and to salvage it at least somewhat, that was very impressive, making it further than any team playing on Wednesday had in the history of the Big Ten tournament. So that was a huge plus for Ohio State as well. Now, as we're looking to the next season, we know of two departures right now that are not leaving due to graduation. First one, Bryce Sensenball. He's leaving for a different reason than Eugene Brown, who we'll get to in a second, but Sensenball has declared for the NBA draft with the option to return to Ohio State. Let's start with Sensenbaugh and the likelihood that he comes back. It seems like as far as mock drafts go, if you want to consider that the end-all be-all over what NBA scouts actually have to say, he's slipping a little bit toward the end of the first round, probably a G League type of player in his first year. What is your impression of Sensenbaugh's abilities how it'll translate to the nba and if if he'll even be back how much of a likelihood there is that he'll be back next year yeah so
1: as far as his likely the likelihood i don't have too much insight into that and i don't want to speculate too much um on that i don't know the specifics of his decision i do think that it feels at this time like a different situation than it was with Malachi uh, prior the prior season, where I think that season ended and we knew conclusively that Malachi was an NBA player. There was no question in anyone's head on the staff of whether he'd be back next season. I don't get the sense that it's exactly the same though. That's not to say that there's optimism or we are moving with the assumption that he'll be back. I think it is safe to assume That a player in his position, if he gets told that it's likely he'll be a first-round pick, I would guess that he would remain in the draft at that point. Obviously, a million different things could change. He could perform well in the draft combine and move up closer to the lottery, and that would obviously solidify his decision. He could play poorly in the combine and slip further, and maybe that adds more question to it. Obviously, NIL is another component of whether Ohio State is willing to give that money to or raise those funds if the collectives are willing to create, you know, opportunities for Bryce to generate income while he's still at Ohio State. Those are the things I don't know that are going to be a lot more hush hush. Um, now, as far as Bryce's skill set, that's the other thing. Um, that when I compare him to Malachi, I do think Bryce's game does not translate as easily into the NBA as Malachi, as I think Malachi had the benefit of being in an NBA frame by the time he I mean, he was in an NBA frame when, when he got here. He's long, athletic, lean. He looked like an NBA player. Bryce does not currently look like an NBA player. You can't think of too many players that share his frame combined with his skill set. There just aren't that many guys that exist that do the things he does at his size. Now, that could be to his benefit. He could be viewed as unique in that sense, being able to be that size and score the ball the way that he can. I think there's some interest in that, that if he could be a powerful, Large, difficult to defend player that can shoot the way he can. And I think there's some advantages to that. Obviously, the challenge with Bryce has always been his defense. And I think in the NBA, he'll be picked on in that way, in a sense where if he's on the floor, does his offense, is his offense as a rookie going to make up for his defensive limitations? I would guess probably not. I think Bryce would spend a lot of time in the G League, would be my just guess. Um, But I'm no NBA scout. You know, all I can say is that I think Bryce has the right approach and the right mentality to be successful. I felt the same way about Malachi that I have no doubt in my mind that those guys will succeed at whatever they put their mind to because they're both good kids. They come from good families. They were raised the right way. They're hard workers. They want to do the right thing. They're not knuckleheads. We've had knuckleheads around. I've been around players that are knuckleheads. Those dudes don't fit that at all. Um, So I don't have any doubt in Bryce's ability to perform at some point in the next level. But I think you look at what Malachi is doing in the league, even right now, he's performing for this, albeit a bad team in the Spurs. He's performing really well. Um, and scoring the ball efficiently, and they're playing in big minutes. I think you would see less of that from Bryce. I would expect a longer development process with Bryce because I think he has further to go.
0: So yeah, to to piggyback off of what you mentioned about Senzabal and his upbringing, I think that's really important. I can speak to that too. Not only does he have a family who's invested in him and he was brought up the right way, but he also has family members who have been through professional athletics before. And I think that has a big deal to do with Senzabal going to the next level and just kind of understanding the process a little bit better than someone maybe who doesn't have people like that around him so close to him one thing you mentioned that i've gotten messages in my dms before and people have spoken about it is the nil situation so i looked this up and according to basketball.realgm.com i don't know how reputable the site that is i'm not a huge nba guy but according to that 2022-23 2022-23 NBA rookie scale earnings. If you're the 25th pick, actually, I'll start 24. If you're the 24th pick of the draft, you make $2 million, just over $2 million. If you're the 30th pick of the draft, last pick of the first round, you're at $1.8 million. It's a $200,000 gap, a little bit less than that for you know late first round to very, very late first round. So that's the number that you're going to be looking at if you're Ball is if you're in that first round category, you're going to make probably around two million or just shy of two million dollars, and that's just in your first year. That's not years after that. So, can Sensiball maybe come back to Ohio State and climb up and maybe be a lottery pick? And if you're a lottery pick, you're making three million dollars in that first year. If you're a high lottery pick, you're going upwards of four to five. The first pick will get nearly ten million dollars. So, that's something that Sensenball will have to think about. But there are some fans asking, can Ohio State spin up some kind of an NIL deal to where it would make it worth it for him to come back? And just looking at stats, I'm comparing to players at Ohio State. CJ Stroud, for example, he was number four in college football last year, making $2.8 million estimated valuation for CJ Stroud. Jackson Smith and Jigba was at 1.4 million. Now, Ohio state football is one of, if not the biggest brand out there in college sports, Ohio state basketball is not it's it, even in basketball. It's not Duke. It's not Kentucky. It's not UCLA where there's so much money there. So you mentioned the NIL. I just, I don't see it being realistic that Ohio state in the collective is going to be able to spin up two, $3 million that convinces sends them to stay. And maybe Maybe it's $1 million. Maybe it's 1.52, which is still insane to even think about for a college player at this point. It's still so new, but you can entice a guy to come back and just pay him to be here. I'm not sure if that if that would do it because at the same time, he's making money, but he's losing out of money on being in the NBA. He could up his draft stock, but I'm just not sure how realistic that is. So do you have any feel there? I just I haven't been able to buy into that at all right so there's definitely
1: no i i wouldn't expect that ohio state even in the best case scenario would be able to compete financially with the nba like there's not a scenario in my head where they are and again i i'm not involved in any of the nil stuff like that so i can't speak too much more to it than than anyone else um so I don't expect, but but just generally, like you think of even some of the best players that were in the transfer portal last season, um, not at Ohio State related, like your high end college basketball player, like a Nigel Pack who went to Miami. I think was reported to get five hundred thousand dollars, and that's a high level, proven college basketball player going to probably the hottest NIL bed in Miami. Um, and getting paid about that. So I I don't even think the expectation would be that we could compete in that sense financially. It's more about the guarantees that come with becoming – like let's say, for instance, Bryce were to be selected late in the first round, and you get that $2 million contract. By the time that $2 million contract is up, that's when you look at it as an investment from an NBA organization – they have lessened the later you're drafted in that in in the NBA draft financially, the less they have invested in you. So the less they are going to hitch their ride to you for a five-year development. So if you're Bryce and you think, okay, I could, and this is just thinking out loud again, I don't have any insight into Bryce's thought process, but if you're Bryce and you're thinking, okay, I could go to the NBA and get paid two, $3 million ish and get like a three-year contract at the at the conclusion of that contract am i confident that in the next 3 years i can earn my second contract and be a valuable plus asset for an nba organization if an nba team drafts him that late and he spends a year in the g league then the next season is up in the nba and bouncing back and forth and is ne- if he can't become a steady contributor by the time that, that contract is up and the team has not invested that much in him they sem- spent a late round pick on him then there is that's how guys can get themselves in trouble and find themselves out of the league or scrapping to find a role somewhere. So I think from an NIL perspective, you're not hoping to match that money, but you're hoping to say you need to come back and work on these three things to give yourself a better guarantee once you get to the league. Because if you become a mid-first-round pick, a lottery pick, teams are going to continue to take chances on those guys, even if they don't succeed immediately. If you're a lottery pick, we'll see guys that are in the league for 10 years that get traded all over the place and continue to get opportunities because they were once a top 10 pick. That's the difference to me. So I think from an NIL perspective, you're saying, okay, he, he may look at it and say, that's not as much money as I can make on the front end, obviously, but I'll take the pay cut now in order to raise the likelihood that I'll be able to have a successful pro career. So it's not really a, it's not like a one-to-one thing. And that applies to every college basketball player. I think that's always the decision that has to be made is, is how, how confident are those guys that they are going to be able to make it to the end of that first contract and convince a team to pay them a second contract.
0: Yeah. I I think Bryce sends is a player that you look at him, you look at his frame, you look at his build, You look at what he did on the court as a freshman in the Big Ten, and you can see him. He's an NBA player. Is he an NBA player this year? Maybe hard to say, but he's an NBA player. So he may return. I was pretty sold on him being gone as the year went on. Now that we're into the offseason, I'm a little bit more 50-50, I guess you could say, on him returning. But that's definitely... Going to be in question. And if Ohio State can get him back, it's going to be a huge get for him offensively. And you're going to get a lift with Scotty Middleton coming in, who's a guy who can put the clamps on defensively as well. So that'll be exciting to see kind of that one two punch at the small forward position, most likely for Ohio State. And, and one player who we know will not be returning to Ohio State next season is Eugene Brown. And Joe, you know Eugene Brown, you've been around him. I don't know him personally. All I know is that from people who I talk to and seeing people on social media, this is one of the more upstanding guys in the Ohio State basketball program in the past couple of years. Just people speak fairly highly of him. So obviously, Brown has got to do what he's got to do. Probably one of those situations where he sits down with Coach Holtman and they say, you know what? You're going to be better off elsewhere. So go spread your wings, go do what you got to do, and enjoy the rest of your college basketball career. So I would assume that's probably the situation here with Eugene Brown, but a loss is a loss. And this is a guy who could sit down and defend and who went out there and tried to defend freaking Zach Eady and defend centers in the big 10. It's no small task. And he went out there and he gave it his all. He rebounded. Well, he played great defense. What kind of a loss is this for Eugene Brown? Well, not for Eugene Brown, but for Ohio state losing Eugene Brown. Right. So I'm glad you mentioned
1: just the the, you know, personality of Gene and how much everyone I think loved Gene, the individual, because that to me, Gene is one of the there's been a handful of guys that have come through at Ohio State that are just like a tier above their maturity levels. As far as I think it's easy to forget that these are like actual kids. They are 18, 19, 20 year old kids. Um, and Gene was someone who I think has always had a level of maturity to him, a level of humility and grace that always made him, from my perspective, a pleasure to work with. So like I, every time we would do something for those guys, whether it be a photo shoot, whether I'd send them their photos after the game, or whether we would do something with the media for them, Gene would always text me personally to thank me, which is really rare. Not that these guys aren't thankful. That's just a gesture that I don't expect and is pretty uncommon um EJ was like that too EJ Liddell was I mean I could talk about EJ Liddell for hours about how good of a kid he was but Gene is just in that same vein of just a, a kid that was knew how to handle his business and and was a great kid now from like a basketball perspective I think there's obviously something lost there he played significant minutes for us especially down the stretch when Zed got hurt and I think you know, what we're talking about with Gene, where he was willing to go in there and defend Zach Eady and be our small ball five at times, speaks to his pers- his his approach where he was willing to do anything coach asked him to do. And I, he never had a bad attitude about his limited playing time, at least not outwardly. I'm sure I think it's natural for every kid internally when they're not playing as much as they expected to be frustrated. And I'm sure there was some of that, but he never let that show. He always supported his teammates. And whenever he was asked to go play, he played hard. I think there were games where if Gene weren't out there, I don't know that we're winning some of them over the last two years, just because of his effort defensively and his ability to crash the boards. Um, He would always fly in for like an offensive rebound. So there will be something lost there. But I think the hope is that you replace Gene with someone who can bring some of those same defensive strengths while also probably providing more offense than gene was capable of giving at this point i think gene's development had been hindered by injury at times and he you know every summer it seemed like something would happen with gene he'd roll an ankle there was the year he was sick with covid for multiple weeks and was in the hospital he started the season with a concussion that kept him out for long stretches um and i think the hope was that you know i think the best case scenario with gene brown was always that he would be a a phenomenal defender, a good rebounder, and you hoped that the three-point shot would be good enough that he could be a 3-and-D wing, and that's super valuable. Obviously, I think the three-point shot never progressed the way that it needed to to be like someone that you can have on the floor for 20, 25 minutes a game. Because if Gene Brown can shoot the ball at a 35% clip even – that makes him almost impossible to take off the floor. But that was never really attained. There would be times he'd shoot a three and air ball it and times where the team would just dare him to shoot. Um, And that's just a guy that's hard to keep on the floor for consistent minutes, especially down the stretch, if he is a zero liability on offense. Um, I think Gene can grow in that. And I think an opportunity to play somewhere where he'll get more minutes and be able to struggle a little bit more um, and not get yanked as quickly, will probably benefit to me. I don't have any doubt because I don't have any doubt in my mind that he can grow into that at at, the, at some level, whether it be you know a school in the mid-major tier or whatever it may be. Um, but we'll have to find a way to replace his effort defensively and from a rebounding perspective, and you hope that whoever we replace him with can score the ball at a
0: little bit higher rate than Gene was able to while he was here. Yeah, that's a major thing that was missing was the three-point shot, and for what it's worth, he did shoot 38% from deep this year, although that was on 16 attempts, so not a huge right. sample size. For what it's worth, the guy could shoot the three without jumping, it seemed like. I mean, I think his feet were getting maybe two, three inches off the ground, off the floor, I should say, since they were indoors. He He's a guy who had an interesting shot, Uh, I don't know, motion, I guess, and and how he would kind of throw the throw the ball up there and he'd get some mark on it but he would not jump that high so we've
1: we've had we've had some interesting forms over the years since since coach has gotten here we've had luther muhammad had had a wonky release jeans was interesting if you ever saw joey brunk shoot a jumper. God bless you. That was an experience in it of itself. There's been some fun ones. So Gene is pretty low on that. Li- Gene's it looks a lot better than a lot of guys we've had in here. So credit to him for that, at least.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And speaking of Joey Brunk, that's a throwback. I in your yeah. off time when when you're not recruiting for the Ohio State University, if you could put together maybe like a two three part documentary on the Joey Brunk game, that would be phenomenal. I, I would love. Oh, yeah. That and just go step-by-step, what was it like in the locker room? Did Joey know what he was going to do on that fateful night? Things like that. It would just be great to see.
1: That's so funny you bring that up. The only Ohio State basketball sickos remember the Joey Brunk experience. That was a fun game. I have no idea what got into him that night,
0: but that one was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was. So shout-out Joey Brunk. If you're you're listening, (laughs) Joey, thanks for such a, a one- memorable game uh, uh, and a part of a pretty memorable season it was yeah uh for that team now on Eugene Brown again 38 he shot 16 threes this year the defense is where you miss him most and I think one thing too is it's really hard to glean a lot off of watching people play humans play a sport you mentioned earlier fans thought Chris Holtman had lost the locker room and I personally I don't think that you can say that watching a team for 40 minutes in a game when you don't see what they're doing in practice and what they're doing in the locker room and all that stuff that that those sort of things really frustrates me. But Eugene Brown is one of those rare circumstances where you watch him on the floor, just do everything and just get dirty and filthy and muck it up. And that's kind of the guy that, that he is. He's just a guy willing to, to do what it takes and be unselfish. Again, I, I don't know him personally. That's what I've heard from him or, or about him, and it's good to see. So obviously wish Eugene Brown the best of luck as he continues forward. And speaking of the best of luck for you, Joe, are you betting, and you don't have to be, but but who are your picks for the final four, and are you feeling confident enough to to put any money down coming up here tonight? <laughs> That's, that is funny. Um, So with my position at
1: Ohio state, we're actually um, prohibited from gambling on any sport. So, and it's, it's a brutal world now that sports gambling is legal and every ad on my phone is enticing me to put money down on, on this and that. So I'm not allowed to do any of that, but if I had to make a pick or just guess at who I, who, who my, you know, I love what Miami has. I think they're so, I think you watch their guards play. They play a style of basketball that's really hard to beat. There's the common saying that guards win in March. And Nigel Pack is so, so special. I think, obviously, people that are kind of in the know with Ohio State know that that was someone that we recruited really hard um, to try to get to transfer here last season. Um, And it's disappointing watching him now thrive. Uh, for a different team because I really thought that if we could have added a player like that, we could have had a really special season. Um, so I, I would say that Miami, I think the winner of that game is probably going to win the national title that Miami UConn game. Cause I think UConn is just as, as capable. Um, but if I had to make my pick there, I would pick probably Miami to win that game. And then, you know, I don't want to pick Florida Atlantic because you know, it's, it's, What is? But they've proven they've proved me wrong every round. I don't think Florida Atlantic can continue this this up. Um, But I also, you know, we played San Diego State earlier in the season and they beat us, and they're a good team. But I didn't come away from that game thinking like, man, San Diego State, those dudes are like, those are some serious like dudes. Like, I felt like you know we left that game thinking like, okay, like we didn't play our best game, but we could have we could have conceivably beat them in a on a better performance so that game's weird i i couldn't tell you who's going to win that one but if i had to guess the winner the winner of miami florida um versus yukon uh is going to be the national champion and my pick right now would be miami
0: all i can say is it would be so very yucky to watch florida atlantic play in the national title game that just feels gross and icky to me No offense to Florida Atlantic, but what the heck are we doing this year in March? Potentially seeing Florida Atlantic in the national title game. I think we're in like a weird time with college
1: basketball where I think it'll the dust will settle here in a couple years. But we've got a few seasons here where it's going to be interesting in March. And I think this year has been the perfect example of that where it's like, who would have guessed that this was our final four? Not very many people. Not very many people. Probably zero. If you looked at the if you looked at the brackets, I bet it's zero
0: to one. <laughs> it, it could be exactly zero. There's a there's a non-zero chance technically, but it it could be exactly zero. Joe, does Chris Holtman have a burner? This will be my final question to you. You you're there. You would know, and you don't have to tell the truth. I, I'm not hooking you up to a lie detector, so you could lie to me. But tell me, does Coach Holtman? have a burner account on twitter not not that i'm aware of but he
1: definitely keeps his eye on it maybe more than he would let on as far as like social media goes i think he's he's someone who pays attention to what people are saying on social media i think he has an eye on it maybe more than he would be willing to let on but as far as i know if he has a burner it's it's beneath it's above me because i i haven't heard whispers of that yet but that would be pretty entertaining. And I wish he would. I think I'm, I'm someone who's in supportive burners. I think that's good practice. I think it's fun. If you get caught, you look like an absolute fool, but like the KD thing, that was funny. And it was funny. Um, It was like, cool that like, Oh, he's like out here, like, you know, debating basketball with people. Um, So I would encourage, maybe I'll mention that to Holt. Next time I see him is like, I know that you want to fire back at some of these people sometime coach maybe just get you
0: a different account and you can start having some fun. So maybe, maybe I'll talk him into it. You you absolutely should. I think that would be phenomenal. We don't have to know which account it is, but if we just happen to see a new account out there that's really, really pro Chris Holtman, pro. <laughs> really, really <laughs> yeah. pro Ohio State basketball and all that stuff, we might, we might have a sneaking suspicion that maybe he does in fact have the burner account. And you need it. You need to be able to, take out some aggression and, and some anger with the shield of a of a fake profile picture and all that stuff too like that's probably something no that question. he needs to take the stress out on so i wouldn't blame him if if he had one yes i would not be upset with him i'd say i'm all for it, Coach Holt. so hey he's got two believers right now and two yes. should be enough for him to push him over the top and get one so that's that's all i got on chris holtman having a burden hopefully he has one <laughs> Or, or hopefully he gets one. Anyways, Joe, it's been phenomenal having you on today. It's been really fun talking Ohio State hoops with you. Appreciate you joining. We hope to have you again. Again, if you have not followed Joe on Twitter, again, you can find him at Joe D Gemma. D stands for Daniel, just in case you wanted to know. And for the Ohio State sickos who have stayed... For this entire episode you now know chris holtman maybe has a, a burner and if he doesn't have one yet he may have one soon so again appreciate you listening please if you haven't already follow subscribe like do all of those types of things and leave us a review as long as it's five stars we'll approve if it's not five stars my feelings will be hurt and maybe i'll just sit in my corner and i'll pout and i'll play in a heap of trash and, and not post any more podcasts if that's truly what you want so I guess it's time for me to shut up before you shut me off. Appreciate you listening again today. Go Bucks.